0: the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned, unclean. In pity, angels beheld him and came from the world of love. Comfort him in the sorrows he bore for my soul that night. How marvelous! How wonderful! And my song shall. sins and my sorrows he made them his very own he bore the burden to calvary and suffered and died (laughs) Oh, <laughs> And my song shall ever be How marvelous, how wonderful Is my Savior's love for me Is my Savior's love
1: This is the day the Lord hath made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. This day, not good days or bad days, every day. This is the day the Lord hath made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. My name is Hal Brady, and I want to welcome you to our broadcast tonight. I'm so pleased you've joined us, and I hope you will be blessed. Would you hear now, please, the reading of God's Word from two places, Exodus and also from St. Luke. This one verse out of Exodus, You shall not steal. You shall not steal. And then I want to read this familiar parable from chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell among the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you join me please for prayer? O God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, which are thy strength and our redeemer. Amen. A couple I know was on a recent vacation in Hawaii. The very last night, someone broke into their room while they were sleeping and stole all the wife's jewelry. Not long ago I was having lunch with a friend and he told me that a couple of years ago someone had broken in and stolen his truck. He said he had bought a new truck and had a special alarm system put in. But he said no less than 15 attempts have been made since to steal that same truck. A couple of nights ago my son called me and said that while they were at the ball game his wife's car had been broken in two. They broke a window and stole her pocketbook. He said ever since they had been counseling credit cards. And he said the people had already charged $1,000 on the credit card. Now, these instances and many more that I know of or have read about have brought home to me the reality of the Eighth Commandment. God says, you shall not steal. You shall not steal. Now this Eighth Commandment is absolutely fundamental. It's not only fundamental to the Christian ethic, but it's fundamental to any society that would agree to live together. Without obedience to this particular commandment, there is no such thing as community or societal togetherness. Thus this Eighth Commandment is a safeguard against our taking or keeping what is not ours. Beloved, stealing is a sin. It's a sin because it violates our trust in God to be the provider and it violates our willingness to love our neighbor as our self. So when the prophets are rebuking Israel for their sins, you may be, see, you may be sure that theft and stealing are high upon, upon the list. It's always the one who steals is going to lose out. The one who steals is going to lose out. That's what the scripture tells us. But in order to understand this better, to get to the heart of it, I want us to go to one of Jesus' most familiar parables. You remember that story? I just read it. You remember there was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. While he was on the way, he was attacked by robbers. They beat him and stripped him and left him for half dead. And a little while, a priest came along, took a look at him and passed by on the other side. A Levite came along took a look at him, and passed by on the other side. But then a Samaritan came along. A Samaritan stopped and looked at him and went over. He had pity, and he began to minister to his needs. He ministered to his needs and took care of him while he could not take care of himself. Now, this parable reminds us that there are three distinct philosophies of wealth or power. And from time to time, we need to review these philosophies, though they're not original with me. First of all, and this is so important, what is yours is mine and I'll take it. Now this is what we see when we see the robbers. When these robbers emerge upon the scene, they by their actions point out what is yours is mine and I'll take it. Now there are numerous people in our culture that live by this posture. If they see something we have and they want it, they'll simply take it. I read about a strange bizarre scavenger hunt that took place in Miami, Florida. It seems that 28 high school people from a Miami Beach high school were arrested because of their participation in this strange scavenger hunt. The idea was to steal a number of items and the greater difficulty in stealing the more points you got. Everybody paid $5 for 97 items on a list. In other words, these were the items they were supposed to steal. And they would get more points. And the winning team, which was a three-member team, they would receive half the money collected. Now, the rules are in a poem. This is an awkward poem, but listen to it. The objective, of course, is to win the game. To do this, we must accumulate points. Beg, purchase, steal your way to fame. But don't get thrown in the jail. Now, the police had already confiscated several items. Two mailboxes had already been stolen has been stolen. There was a sign 23 on highway 95. There had been some crime watch signs stolen. There had been tags from Georgia State and from Carolina and from Quebec, Canada. There had been all kinds of things already taken. The really tough thing on this list, item 29 was a human baby, was a human baby. Now, this Eighth Commandment hardly needs to be reinterpreted. We understand it. It has the same meaning it had for those ancients who first heard it. It has to do with the fact that we should not take what is not ours. We should not steal from other people. Now, you say, that doesn't really apply to me. But before you say it, I want us to think about some other forms of theft. These might not be considered quite as much as just plain old stealing of somebody else's goods. First of all, there's the theft of time. When we go to work for somebody, we generally make an agreement to do so much work for so much pay, and that is an agreement, whether it's written or otherwise. So what happens as we begin to do this work? Suddenly we start coming in late or leaving early, or we don't give everything we have while we're on the job, or we take longer for lunch breaks than we are supposed to, to take. There is the theft of time the theft of time. And then secondly, there's the theft of reputation. The theft of reputation. There's a guy named Brownlow, Leroy Brownlow, that wrote a book called Grandpa Was a Preacher. And in that book, Grandpa was told by one of the parishioners that another lady was totally inattentive. She never paid attention to anything. And this lady told Grandpa, she said, you know, it's so bad, When she gets something, when she hears something, it goes in one ear and out the other. And she said, do you know anything worse than that? The grandpa simply said, yes, if it goes in one ear and out the mouth. Just a few words and a reputation is ruined. There is the theft of reputation. And then thirdly, there is the theft of honesty. The theft of honesty. When I was in college, I took an ROTC class. And while I was in that class, I remember just before the exam, the instructor said something like this. He said, now, if you look on somebody else's paper occasionally, that is all right. But he said, if you look habitually, I'm going to take up your paper. Now, I didn't like that because I thought that was an invitation to cheat, of which it was. But then I remember reading about a professor who had a freshman math course in college. And he said to his class, he said, today I'm going to give you two tests. One on trigonometry and one on honesty. I hope you'll pass them both. But if you have to fail one, I hope it's the one on trigonometry. I like that because that's talking about integrity and character. And then there's the theft of robbing children of their religious heritage. There's the theft of robbing children of their religious heritage. A preacher went into a rural church and he wanted to check up on his Sunday school teacher. So he went into a class and he asked them about the teacher and then he decided to ask this question. He said, who knocked down the walls of Jericho? One little boy immediately replied, I didn't do it. Well, he looked at the teacher, the preacher did, and he said, is this your way of having discipline? And the teacher said, Timmy is an honest little boy. If he said he didn't do it, he didn't do it. So the preacher became very disturbed and he went to the board of deacons. And after he reported what happened to the board of deacons, later he received this message. They said, we don't see any sense in making an instant out of this. We've decided that we'll pay for the walls of Jericho and charge it off to vandalism. You see, when you look at the Judeo-Christian heritage, the prime responsibility for the faith of children is with the parents. The question is, are our children growing more in the ways of the world are they growing more in the ways of Jesus Christ? Is up to the parents. And then there is the theft of robbing God. The theft of robbing God. Now, most of us are not gonna steal from the church, but Malachi the prophet said, will we rob God? And before we can answer, he says, how do we rob God? And he says, we rob God with our tithes and our offerings. Now, who of us can deny that as we move along? The thefts of robbing God. And beloved, there are many, many more thefts. What they all say is, what's yours is mine and I'll take it. But then secondly, I want us to consider this philosophy. What's mine is mine and I'll keep it. What's mine is mine and I'll keep it. And of course, this is the philosophy of the priest and the Levite the priest and the Levite. We would expect them to help that man by the side of the road, for sure. As a matter of fact, they wore phylacteries on their wrists. Phylacteries were little boxes that contained scripture passages that they should review all the time, one that they had just heard from the master. We would expect them to stop and help that man. Wrong, they didn't. What they started doing was asking themselves, well, who is my neighbor? What if I stop and help this man out here and it's just a decoy or he's drunk and these robbers come out and beat me up? What is my responsibility to me and mine and my family? You know, charity begins at home. Wouldn't it be a lot better if I just went home and formed a group to help people in my area rather than helping this particular individual man? What is mine is mine and I'll keep it. It's theft by withholding something from someone else. Now, what all this means is simply this. Stealing can be passive as well as active. The sin of commission is stealing something that belongs to somebody else. The sin of omission is keeping something that I should be sharing with somebody else. Did you get that difference? Commission, commission is stealing something that belongs to somebody else. Omission is keeping something that I should be sharing with somebody else. There's an intriguing story about Mayor Mayor LaGuardia of New York City. Back in 1935, the mayor went one night, it was in the heart of the depression, he went one night down to a municipal court where he presided as judge as he was qualified. They brought a lady, an old lady, a grandmother or a great grandmother before him. She was charged with stealing a loaf of bread. She was charged with stealing a loaf of bread for her family. The judge asked the accuser, are you going to press charges? He said, I have to. He said, I have a store in a very rough section of this city. And if I let her get away with this, people will flood my store and there'll be nothing left. So the mayor turned to this woman and he said, you have broken the law. Therefore, you have to pay the penalty. The fine is $10. He knew she didn't have $10, so he reached in his own pocket. He pulled out $10 and he gave it to her. And then he turned to everybody in the courtroom, spectators, and he said, now I'm going to charge all of you a fine. Bailiff, collect the fine. So when they collected the fine of 50 cents apiece, they wound up with $47.50, and he gave it to this woman. He gave it to this woman. And he said, the reason I find you is because you live in a city where a grandmother has to steal to feed her family. What's mine is mine. And I'll keep it. It's withholding something from someone else. Remember, the sin of commission is stealing from somebody else. The sin of omission is withholding something which is stealing. Something that I should share with somebody else. And then, there's a third philosophy that I want us to look at. What's mine is yours, and I'll share it. What's mine is yours and I'll share it. This is the philosophy of Jesus Christ and this is the philosophy of his teaching. I think it was Clovis Chapel, the great Methodist preacher, who gave the illustration that I think is so powerful. He said the highest degree that could be conferred upon a person by the University of Humanity was conferred upon this Samaritan. He was called good. Notice Jesus didn't call him good. It was the people who read this story and appreciated it through the years that called him good. It was humanity that conferred upon him the degree good, which is higher than all of our other degrees. And I think it still is. Because what it means is that that Samaritan cared enough for his fellow human being to risk his own life. He cared enough to participate in ministry, and he cared enough to, to help him in a practical practical way, and that is so important. Now, if we're going to develop this particular philosophy, what, my, what is mine is yours, and I'll share it, we need to understand a couple of things. Number one, God is the provider. People steal because they have forgotten God. They have forgotten where their blessings come from. Consequently, rather than sharing their blessings, they hoard or protect their blessings. In other words, when you realize God is the provider, it changes everything, including your heart. It changes the way you see your blessings. I remember John Killinger said he had brought a message in a college campus area, and he was being taken back to the airport by a fellow named Bill and Mary Louise Kingsbury. Bill was the CEO of the Liberty Mutual Fund Group of which he had started in Lubbock, Texas a number of years ago and he had done quite well in his business. And he said to John Killinger on the way to the airport, he said, God has been awfully good to me. He said, what I'm trying to do is give away most of what I have before I die. He was already in his 70s. You see, he understood that God is the provider. The second thing we need to understand if we're going to have this philosophy of what's mine and I'll share it with you is that I am not the owner I am but a steward and a steward is entrusted with something that belongs to the owner by the owner and for the owner a steward is just a person a connecting person between God's blessings and other people that's what a steward is. A man talked to an African-American preacher who had a church in the slums of Chicago. All the other churches were struggling to survive. His church was just going great guns, three services a day. And so the man asked this pastor, he said, what is your secret? He said, there's no secret. I just tell the people who they are. I just tell the people who they are. God is the owner. I am a steward. And because God is the owner and I am a steward, what is mine is yours, and I will share it. What is mine is yours, and I will share it. Let us pray. Lord, we're so thankful that we can come and think about such a serious subject as theft. Lord, we're sorry that so much theft is taking place in our culture. And we ask, O oh God, that you would bring about a revival and a renewal. And help us, O oh God, to understand that stealing is wrong because it questions your provision and because it denies how much we love others as ourselves. Help us, O oh God, to hear this message afresh. May it penetrate throughout our society. And may we straighten our ship up before it's absolutely too late. Thank you again for loving us and forgiving us and for using us. It's in your name. Amen. Thank you so very much for joining me tonight. I pray that you've received something from this message, and I pray that you'll invite others to join us in the weeks ahead. I hope things are going well for you. Good night.
2: So with me and he talks with me and he tells